twip, thwip, if only there were a bunch of cranes perfectly aligned so that I could have gotten to this film house faster. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Filmhouse Verse, everybody. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Lisa. Their mission is to provide a better night's rest for everybody. Uh, my name is Daniel. I've got a top flight of guests with me this week. Adam Kovic. I only watch the Mark Webb films. Oh, no. Uh, Elise Willems. Uh, I only watch spiders made by a certain... Spider-writing guy, Stan Lee. <laughs> oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> James Willems. Radioactive spider guy. That's a reference to the 90s cartoon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Someone did it. Um, so, yeah, this uh, a week ago, we got a last second end of the year Hail Mary from Sony, uh, <laughs> who've been disappointing us with their Spider-Verse for about a decade now. Speak for yourself and me. <laughs> and everybody else. Continue speaking for me, too. <laughs> but um, So, yeah, we got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, it's a fresh take on uh, the world's greatest superhero. And I think this is possibly, and we can argue about this or just all agree, but maybe the best Spider-Man movie ever. Yeah. If but, we are not but. counting the extended full-length first episode of the MTV version of the show. <laughs> I don't even that, know what that is. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was yeah. the voice. And I Not that I've seen it. That existed? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but this movie, it's uh, lighthearted. It's got a really playful tone. It's super upbeat and has a very exciting, eye-popping style. Um, so good so that uh, Sony's going to try and patent the software that they use to make the movie. Um, but it's really fucking funny. Really, really funny. Um, it's kind of quick and snappy with its dialogue and has a giant big beating heart uh, the emotional center of the film kind of keeps it all together keeps it from becoming a convoluted mess um, and honestly I don't want us to spoil too much of the movie so we'll try and start off a little spoiler free but I just want to say go see this movie and then watch the rest of this podcast um, it's pretty fucking incredible I think everyone behind me agrees maybe one of the best movies of the year coming out just two weeks before the end of 2018 Absolutely. got nominated for a Golden Globe which yeah. is great because... That's like a trash Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy those, actually. Uh, so at least it's getting some recognition, right? <sighs> Which you would worry that a movie like this might get passed oh. over. Well, because financially it's not... At least after the first week it didn't do well. Not that that should matter, but I I only care because I felt like it deserves to do better because it's miles above... Uh, <laughs> Pun nice. Intended. Nice job. Yeah. What? Did you do that on purpose? No, this is a Spider-Man movie. Uh, Peter yeah. Parker is Spider-Man. Because it costs <laughs> like ninety million, right? Did it really? I think so. And it's tracking That's at like expensive. after its first week, what like twenty or forty? I don't remember. It was what. like thirty-five million dollars. Yeah. It made thirty-five in America. Yeah. Made a little bit more overseas. Yeah. What was the box office? I've got that written down. It's still opening in some markets, not yeah. major ones. This but. it's it was weird too. This is a the type of movie I have wanted. I want to say since Toy Story. Where yeah. I was like, oh, cool. I would like to see an animated movie with some more mature themes, but still be fun and lighthearted. Like, it's it's clearly made for kids. It is a kid's movie. But I, as an adult, I had a great time. Yeah, there, uh, were, there were a bunch of kids in my theater uh, on my row, and they were loving it. They were having a great time. And yeah. I'm talking little kids. Yeah, it's um, eye candy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it, it is the best parts of a Marvel movie without any real, like, downtime. Because even the downtime looks – it's it's great to look at. Yeah. yeah. It um, it has. I mean, you mentioned the great heart. It has the great humor. It has, 
it it has uh, I think what we liked about Deadpool aside from breaking the fourth wall was it just it felt fresh and it felt like it was um, speaking to the audience in a way where they were like yeah we get it you, like we get it you know Deadpool we get it you know this universe and that's how the, this movie felt where it was very tongue, tongue in cheek with references it made to yeah. different you know um, Spider-Man mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's meta in its own way and, yeah. with, without talking directly at the camera mm-hmm. yeah like which Deadpool. I appreciated because if it had talked at the camera it would have felt like a turn off <laughs> but the way it did it was was smooth um, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Miles Morales is an African-American Puerto Rican teenager living in Brooklyn. Uh, he goes to this elite prep school that he kind of hates because he's an outcast and he's trying to kind of get kicked out um, and spends his nights uh, wandering the city, kind of tagging, uh, putting up graffiti and stickers. Um, there's a, At the beginning, there's kind of a interesting emotional triangle between Miles, his father, who's a police officer, and his really cool uncle, um, and you can just see Miles isn't quite sure of who he is yet and kind of struggling between those two polar opposites, which would be his father and his uncle, mm-hmm. just trying to figure out who he is. And I think by the end of the movie, maybe he knows that a little bit better. Um, and then at a, some point, a little spider sneaks in and gives him spider powers. But um, it's, it's not the Peter Parker story, like, glosses over pretty quickly what it takes to become Spider-Man. Like, there's more than just the will to do good. Yeah. There's the ability to learn what doing good requires, and that's what most of this movie is focused on, you know? Because it's not like Miles Morales at the very beginning is like, like, no, I don't want to do it. You know, the, the Peter Parker sp- story is he gets these powers and he uses it r- for the wrong reasons. Miles gets these powers, but it's also tied to, like, his puberty and him feeling like an outcast. And so it's like, well, I know that I have a talent, and I wish that I knew how to apply that talent well. I just don't, you know? Mm-hmm. It's also, it's one of those things that's going to be an upcoming problem for Marvel with actors like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth probably being swapped out. Uh, we've already seen in comic book versions. There's Riri, who is the Iron Heart. Mm-hmm. And then there's just Thor, female Thor, just Thor, mm-hmm. um, who I believe is beloved. <laughs> uh, people seem to like. And so, like, those are two things that could potentially happen they they sort of tackle that issue here where the movie's very much about miles morales but uh peter parker is still involved oh, uh, I guess, uh, he, spoiler there's a, a spider verse oh yeah <laughs> um so that's why you see gwen stacy and spider yeah. ham and anime spider-man all stuff but and Nicolas cage but if if, Noir, if the movie had just said oh by the way miles morales is the new spider-man deal with it it probably would have been a bit jarring. The movie does a really good transition. Yeah, he's like handing off yeah. Spider-Man to this new generation. Yeah, and I, I this was almost this was a really good template. Not that mm-hmm. you could ever replicate this, but it was a really good way of passing on a torch, well, passing the torch on to like in such an iconic character. It sounds like I mean, from what they have greenlit, they're gonna try to pre- like. Uh, replicated a little bit because they've said like Gwen Stacy's coming. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna get Silk and Spider Woman in on that. Yeah, Amy Pascal last week she produces this. She's a chief at Sony. Said that a sequel is coming that will focus on the romance between Miles and Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I, uh, they said uh, Lord's original script had that in there, and it just kind of got tossed out for time. Mm-hmm. But there was also, a very little bit of it in the mm-hmm. movie. But also in this spoiler territory. To your point of uh, these movies, like you said, you know, Thor, like she Thor, <laughs> if you will, um, like taking those those really uh, done 
characters and kind of giving them a fresh spin. I really like Doc Ock in this movie. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful. Um, Spoiler. I, I love Katherine Hahn. Uh, so, like, seeing her getting higher profile roles is always always makes me really happy. But, like, it didn't feel like a gender-swapped sw- yeah, Doc it, Ock felt yeah. sandwiched in there. It, the, even, like, the whole universe, the whole Miles thing, it's not a paint-by-numbers, let's just make Spider-Man black. Yeah. It's, let's take those things that make Spider-Man, those themes and motifs, and change them enough so that they're different and kind of clean and not just putting long hair on Thor or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I think, like, you don't need to be an Afro-Latino kid to watch this and oh, no. be like, oh, that speaks to me. I think you just maybe need to be different and you're like, okay, well, this is something new and it speaks to me. And there's, like, a definite hip-hop vibe. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack's incredible. It is. But the fact that there's, like, a whole culture that's represented and tagging and the music, the Afro-Latino background, like, there's just a whole bunch of people that I think are seeing themselves on screen in a way they never had, like Adam. <laughs> Very much like the soundtrack. <laughs> um, hopefully that doesn't date the movie too much. I think sometimes putting pop music in movies, you know, five years from now, it'll seem old. Or an emo haircut yeah. uh, brushed to one side. Might <laughs> Which date. they addressed in the movie. I, they had great. those really quick jokes that were so wonderful. Yeah, everything in the movie felt purposeful, if that makes sense. Um, I do have that worry of things being dated with the choice of music. Uh, I definitely feel that way about a lot of DC movies um, when they're using like the like Suicide Squad. I feel like will be dated within a few years just because of its how much it relies on the soundtrack and how just weird. It, in twenty well, years, no one will care. But I think the difference with this movie, for me at least, is that the soundtrack is organic to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Suicide Squad had songs from. Eminem's second album in it. Right. Like, it had nothing to do with the movie Mm -hmm. or the tone of the movie or anything. It was just, oh, you know this. Like, this is something that is known, thus you will have a reaction to Mm -hmm. it. These are songs, I mean, people have probably heard before, but not necessarily in a mainstream setting as much as in a middle America mainstream setting, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But whether or not it becomes dated, I feel like it'll just become of its time. tied to its time yeah. which mm-hmm. is fine you know like I think that's okay yeah it just it never for n- never once did it feel like you know hey fellow kids um, <laughs> no. we made a Spider-Man movie <laughs> it's full of memes and pop culture we know we got you now it just it it felt like it was an artistic vision um, visually and uh, from an audio perspective that it was all that it worked Cohesively, And mm-hmm. it's strange because it's a project that had so many hands in it. Like if you look at the list of like directors, there are, you know, yeah, three, three directors, directors that were part of the inception mm-hmm. of this project that then left. And then people who came in as writers that then got added, like it shouldn't feel as cohesive and like a passion project as it does. Um but I guess maybe it's you got enough people that like Spider-Man. They're gonna make a good Spider-Man. <laughs> if well, if you they... were to sell me on it years ago and said, just so you know, the guys making who made the Emoji movie and the studio that brought you Venom <laughs> yeah. and Amazing Spider-Man one and two, <laughs> they're gonna blow your your socks off. Come 2018 and be like, shut up. Yeah, yeah but maybe if you, you said like, but then they asked Alex Hirsch what he thought. I'd be like, mm. okay, all right, gravity falls, okay. gentlemen. Yeah, um, it. Oh my God! Spider Ham <laughs> stole the movie. <laughs> it shouldn't have worked at all. <laughs> I'm I'm still fifty fifty on Spider Ham. Oh, you had <laughs> on. Yeah. What? Just uh, look. It's more for you to like, I guess. <laughs> Remember when he says the thing about the smelling of delicious pie? Oh. Yes. <laughs> Do you float through the air when you smell a delicious oh, okay. pie? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so charming. Uh, yeah, he he wore out his welcome here and there. Mm, I, he, not for me at all. No, no, he did no not. Way. He popped in, said something to remind you how cartoony a cartoon can and be, that fun and, then he, in the world. and then he left. Yeah. I never felt like Spider Ham had a great payoff. No. Um, well, I think but it, it didn't. But it didn't. It didn't take me out of the the movie. I'll well, put I mean, it that way. I think it, there's a reason. Sure. The movie starts with a Peter Parker that everyone knows mm-hmm. and everyone is familiar with. And as it's slowly, because at the beginning, it's not like Nicolas Cage drops in and he's black and white and then he's telling Miles Morales what to do. Like, I think they understood that wouldn't make sense. So it's it. That's why the comedy works for me is because they understand the progression of it. It starts with something reasonable and then it moves into the absurd. And the furthest extent of that absurdity is an anime girl from the future (laughs) and a a pig that's a completely different <laughs> style of animation yeah. that does wacky things that breaks the rules of mm-hmm. the world. And I know that's a throwback to an actual comic. Yeah. That they had there is a Spider-Ham comic. Um but it was always a joke. Like it was a one yeah. it was a one note joke. I guess joke. that's what I was kind of hoping for is that he'd be there like he'd be like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Oops, wrong movie." And then he leaves and go, "Oh, okay, that was good enough." He did have a he had a great line at the end that was only made funny by a response that Peter Parker had. Um but like I said, in it, for what for me was a near perfect movie, that was the only thing that kind of only a little bit bothered me. I don't know the sheer fact that his name is Peter Porker. That's so sheer. <laughs> also, ditches. that he was a spider bitten by a pig. People often <laughs> well, forget that too. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a spider. He was so a pet cute. spider. That's pretty wonderful. I, yeah, of well, May Porker, in a, and she bit him, mm-hmm. and then he became. A pig. Funnier, funnier when you a, explain it. A spider than... with, the, uh, with the strength of a pig. You weren't in the mood for <laughs> bovine humor when this happened, I can tell. Well, and I, th- I think one of the reasons... I mean, bovine's a cow. I, just, I, I didn't yeah, mean the... that. A, a swine? Swine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were in the mood for some swine shindig. You know? It's almost alliteration. You <laughs> wanted... Uh, you said, give me more of that... I said, give me some more Gwen Stacy. Give me some more uh, Spider-Man Noir. Give me some more of that character we saw at the end credits. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted. You guys yeah. stay, about stay to the very, oh, very end. Hold your horses. We're watching clips right now, and they're showing Times Square. And That was my my favorite thing about this movie was all <laughs> the, the, background the posters, posters for mm-hmm. Hold Your Horses starring Seth Rogen. And then there's, like, John Mulaney. <laughs> From Dusk Till Shawn. Instead of uh, yeah. Blue Man Group, it's Red Man Group. From Dusk Till Shawn was supposed to be, like, the sequel to Shaun of the Dead. Oh, oh really? Yeah. They got Planet Inglewood. If they had made a sequel, that's so, what it wait, was what do they call be. the weekend in there? The Kiss End? I Where forget. Yeah, uh, the under the Sony logo, that it's very much the weekend uh, album art. Hmm. Yeah, Kissland, Kiss, Kissland. Yeah, it was anyway. It was fun to see the, like, fun the alternate universe things that they did. Yeah, uh, so this movie does have a really great message, like one of inclusion. Uh, and I think the tagline is pretty brilliant uh, on a lot of the posters. It's anyone can wear the mask. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that matters a lot in our modern world. And uh, the movie overall nailed that message, especially to the theater I was in. I just there was a lot of different kinds of people there, and everyone was digging it. Um, I don't know, powerful film. Yeah, well, it's the same guys behind. The, I know they didn't do. They weren't responsible for 100 percent of it, but Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Yeah. Um, Clone High, Lego Movie, uh, Cloud of Chance Meatballs. They've done a lot of really good movies that are entertaining but still have a real, like, kind of fun, <laughs> positive message. 
Uh, th- that is one thing that worries me about that sequel we were talking about. Phil Lord's not attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's got the uh, director of Avatar The Last Airbender and Voltron and the writer of Wonder Woman 1984. So we're missing that Lord. And what was the guy's name from Gravity Falls? Alex Hirsch. Missing a few of the talents that I think made this movie but special. Alex but Hirsch, was he, was he a writer? Uh, I don't know if he, like, wrote I think he, how he much wrote, he did. Rodney. He was, like, a consultant. Yeah. or I, I think they think brought him on as, like, yeah, a producer. Yeah, I don't think he oh, okay. was. <clears throat> um, uh, he, he was available. This <laughs> this movie, the details <laughs> about this movie leaked in 2014. This movie? In the, in the Sony leak, just, yeah. Yeah. He got hit with a bagel, and it said bagel. Yeah. There's a lot of those moments. <laughs> this is great. Well, here's the thing, too. So tired of superhero origin stories. We're past it. But this they figured out a new way to tell the origin story. Yeah. But do it in an interesting way. So that way, if you've been down this road a hundred times, you're not going to be bored seeing it again. And uh, and if you're completely unfamiliar with the character, it'll still totally work out because you'll learn about this character, but nothing is so far-fetched that you have to be, like, a comic book nerd yeah. to, like, really get it or whatever. Well, and I think they play with that knowledge that you have of origins, and they there's a really cool device. Uh, kind of every time they introduce a new Spider-Man, that person does a monologue for, what, 30 seconds mm-hmm. showing <laughs> the way they became Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's really wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of frames the movie, and it makes, I don't know, it helps you make sense of all these new characters they're showing mm-hmm. up. Aunt May was cool. <laughs> a badass Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Though, did you guys pick up on like, like when, um, like Doc Ock shows up and she's like, "Hello, Liv," and it's like, "Oh, oh really?" Those are by her first name. Because yeah, huh? I guess in the old Spider-Man, uh, Doc Ock and Aunt May got married at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. Maybe so is that what the comics been around to? for eighty-five maybe there was years. A li- yeah. Maybe there was a little like maybe <laughs> Aunt May swing both ways. It, uh, you know it, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that was something I know people picked up on. I think James, you talked about it a little bit too, but. Aunt May um, wasn't lame. Oh no, yeah. Aunt May is always a, like going in the the you know the current iteration. I guess that we're familiar with it. The Raimi films, fragile old woman. Yeah. And then slightly less fragile in the Mark Webb ones. And then to just being kind of a hot milf in uh, the current iteration. To actually being purposeful. Yeah. In yeah. this one, instead of just being the oh, I hope Aunt May doesn't find out. And great uh-huh. casting because like Lily Tomlin is oh. Aunt May. You you have a character like Aunt May where you're like, oh, she's this biting, tough as nails old woman. And you're like, okay, that's kind of a diamond in the rough. But I believe that from Lily Tomlin, oh, yeah. who her entire career has been a biting, yeah, she sounds witty, tough as nails, tough as nails woman. Um, but yeah, the casting was like great all across the board, in my opinion. Agreed. It was really good voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what was what I liked about it was I couldn't tell who the actors were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Nick Cage bothered me for a minute when I didn't know he was Spider-Man Noir. Mm-hmm. Like, I, just you know, hearing a you know voice, voice you recognize yeah. and not yeah. being able to place it takes takes me out of the movie for okay. just a moment. It, it felt very much like they did performance capture, oh, and yeah. then they actually animated it. Like, you know, you see the old, like, Alice in Wonderland Disney movies, and they're like, oh, well, they did film a little girl mm-hmm. doing all those things. <laughs> And then, but then they went and they turned it into a cartoon as opposed to a, you know, uh, Polar Express direct translation into nightmare kind of thing. <laughs> like, but so it's like when they're, when they're reacting or they're, when they're speaking, it feels very, very natural. Yeah, it feels natural. It doesn't feel that cartoony, except it's still very cartoony. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the difference between a ball bouncing and not squishing at the bottom. And then a ball squishing at the bottom, 
it, I don't know. It felt like the kind of dialogue you'd get in like an Aaron Sorkin film, you know, like a, a social network type, but without being so condescending. It like if it, it everything felt light and fun. So like, there's a really great moment where Peter Parker is talking to Miles and he's going a mile a minute and almost within that own sentence he goes, "Do I want kids?" and then just keeps moving. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, and it's it's that sort of like blink and you'll miss it mm-hmm. uh, sort of humor, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and like, I want to go see it again because I feel like I actually miss some stuff because so much was going on. Yeah. It was super fast. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is a movie that will reward rewatching a couple of times. I'm, I'm going to go see it again. Yeah, I'm going to um, see it again. Yeah, James already bought it. <coughs> oh, I, I was going to buy it, but it's only available pre-order in HD. This might mm. be something that's worth getting in 4K. Sometimes I've noticed that sometimes when I go to see movies I really like, I'll go onto Google Play and then I'll just buy them. I'm excited for Dawn because this is the first movie in, in, in however long that I've actually considered that I sh- may have wanted to have seen it in 3D mm. and Don buys like 3D Blu-rays still and I'm like oh he's gonna love getting this best day of Don's life I, mean, I call it <laughs> <laughs> are, you gonna, are we gonna follow up on that what percentage of your day do you go through thinking whether Don would like something or not Don deserves everything in the world oh uh, what a strange statement this is a Precious man. <laughs> anyway, leave leave Schreiber as uh, kingpin. kingpin. Really, uh, ex- yeah. really blew me away. First, I think so. That, that's yeah. where we ended. <laughs> I can't believe he went from uh, Sabretooth to kingpin yeah. of all his comic roles. Oh, I liked the the little bit of explanation they the motivation that they had for kingpin with his yeah. his wife and son. Yeah, I like that too. Um, yeah. Which I couldn't recall there being something that concrete about kingpin in any other version of kingpin. I haven't read – I've read a little bit of Miles Morales, but I haven't read that much. So, like, certain things like the um, Hispanic Scorpion and uh, Doc Ock, how they yeah. appear in this, mm-hmm. being a little different than you're used to seeing. I I was like, is that how it is in this comic book universe? And it's just used that way in the film. Mm-hmm. And the, But I just was like, I appreciate it because Kingpin is – Man, one of those Ooh. characters when you're like, all right, and the villain of this will be Kingpin, and I just let out the longest <laughs> sigh. Like they they tried well, a little bit with Daredevil season one, where like he is sort he and Daredevil were sort of the flip of each other in a mm-hmm. kind of a good way, where uh, this blind guy is going to beat people up to make the streets better, whereas Kingpin's <laughs> going to buy up the city and make it better. Mm-hmm. So they they all, they both have the same goal; they just had different motive or different motivations behind it. Um, I think Kingpin, mm. one thing I like about Kingpin is he's always an excuse for the rogues gallery. Like, he's not going to start out punching uh-huh. at Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's going to get Bro. other goons around mm-hmm. him to mm-hmm. attack him. So that's why you get, you know, Tombstone and Scorpion. And Yeah. Well, I feel like there was another one I'm missing out. But, uh, no, Prowler. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Prowler, hey, Prowler was, was so cool. He, did you guys notice that music, his theme? The, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, it got really me cool. every time. That was, it was scary. That was the thing I was going to say. If you do or you haven't, are you going to go see it again? Um, I was lucky enough to see this movie in a Dolby theater. That's one of those ones that they – it's supposed to have, like, the best audio quality if you can find one of those. But, like, the sheets the, – the seats shook every time um, the music kicked in, like, the bass kicked in at, like, a, a heavy level. And that, that Prowler theme – so cool. It's just like it made you perk up. Mm-hmm. It was so well. And that might just be the movie. The movie might just have really good sound design. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing I noticed. It was just, like I said, like top to bottom, everything about the movie, visually, audit- auditorially, damn good movie. Go see it. Uh, let me ask you a quick question, Elise. Did you get a good night's rest last night? 
You know what, Dan? I didn't. Oh, no. No, I didn't. I used my bed. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevent burnout, make better decisions, improve your memory, and overall make fewer mistakes. It's not marketing, it's science. To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing, science, to develop a perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's rest for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 31,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it, but that doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell. Give yourself a gift of a better night's rest this holiday. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash filmhouse and use promo code filmhouse at checkout. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash F-I-L-M-H-A-U-S and use the promo code filmhouse. So thanks, Lisa, for bringing us here today to talk about Spider-Man's. Um, yeah, so uh, were, were there any nitpicks or things you guys didn't like about the movie? Because it's pretty close to perfect. It's close to perfect. Yeah. You know, you know, I said this to everyone here, but like when they all, this is a spoiler, when all of the spider people are giving sort of the catalytic event that caused them to say, yes, I want to fight for justice and good, whatever tragic moment, whoever they lost, and they all give it except for Spider-Ham, who just like says something very poetic and poignant. I wanted to know what Spider-Ham's like tragic <laughs> life changing event was but then part of me thought like or I wanted him to say something funny like it was a windy day and I lost my favorite umbrella you know (laughs) or but then I thought about it and I was like maybe Spider-Ham has like the worst fucking thing like Mm. Monica Bellucci irreversible something you know happened to (laughs) Spider-Ham and that also kind of made me be like oh maybe maybe there's something terrible I couldn't find anything. There's nothing. I, I, in his my, backstory. Not really. So, <laughs> oh, in Spider-Ham's backstory? Yeah. Um, that touches on one minor issue I had with the movie was that, so uh, both Aunt May and Gwen had Peter Parker's die, mm-hmm. and they didn't really react when Peter Parker was in front of them. What? Like, so So yeah. you have other universe Peter Parker oh, right oh. in front of you. It's this guy, you know, he's either your nephew or your, I guess, lover love interest or good friend in Gwen's part. Mm-hmm. But they didn't necessarily react at all to seeing this yeah. guy there's, that they so, love. So here's... Especially considering oh. Peter freaked out when he saw MJ. I was going to say, there's, yeah, he did. There's one line, when Peter sees MJ, there's one line from Gwen Stacy where she says, Peter, like, trust me, I know how it feels. Oh. And I thought maybe they were going to do something with that because obviously, like, she's looking at him as he's looking at MJ and she's thinking, this is the guy that died that I was in love with or whatever, mm-hmm. right? That I tried to save and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't. And I, I was like, oh. I, I, I thought a couple things. The Aunt May situation felt like she had already... Well, one, this is a universe where Aunt May and Mary Jane know Peter Parker is Spider-Man and he goes out and he does a good thing and they do everything they can to support his mission to protect innocent people and everything like that. So it felt like that Aunt May would more better come to terms with the reality and the risks associated Mm -hmm. with what he puts himself through every single day. And also, we've already established that she's like an Alfred. She's cool and calculated, and she's part of this world. She knows what's up. And so that coupled with 
the that Peter Parker wasn't the first Peter Parker to come mm-hmm. to them. Also, like when they arrive, there's already this other stuff going okay. on. So I think yeah. she could have easily prepared herself for at any moment another version of Peter is going to show up at my door. You, I forget that, that she takes him into the underground lair and then she goes, there's also three other yeah. <laughs> uh, weird iterations. So, But they did a really good job of setting up first Peter Parker, Chris Pine Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's 26. He's young. He's got his life together. Everything's great. He dies, mm-hmm. um, which I did not, I didn't know that was happening mm-hmm. in the story. And so they, it was, they did a really smart thing where they killed off the best version of of Spider-Man, like Blonde Spider-Man, like Prime Spider-Man Prime, the basically the one they they try to do in the video game, mm-hmm. where it's like this is him in his prime. He's the best he's ever going to be at this time, and he's dead. He's gone now. So all, now we have this sad, broken Spider-Man who's far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, as a character, extremely interesting. And so they did a smart thing by one aging him and making him sadder, fatter, and a different color hair. <laughs> so then that way, if Aunt May had saw saw a younger blonde version. You know, of her of her lost son or uh, nephew, she'd go like, "Oh my god!" But when she sees the old sad man, yeah, not as much of a reaction. Well, I think that which, makes it a bit more believable, yeah. which I think is the same situation for Gwen, because yeah. her Peter Parker was you know a teenager, sixteen yeah. years old, yeah. and a dweeb, oh. and so like seeing this complete. See if you. Think of someone from your childhood, and you were like, if this person was completely removed from my life, and then I saw them, an older, mm-hmm. like thirty-something-year-old version of them yeah. that barely bear, like bore resemblance. I, even though their name was Peter Parker, I'd be like, oh, that's weird. But I'm not necessarily yeah, I, I also, minor gripe. Minor gripe. Well, that, it's that unfounded. <laughs> yeah. I also like rather than Aunt, Aunt May like seeing him and and blubbering and going, Peter, is that you? I liked that. Like, no, she's an engineer and she's. Practically a sci- like a scientist in her own right, and she's savvy. She knows there's a multiverse, so when she sees this guy that isn't her Peter, mm-hmm. like Aunt mm-hmm. May is two steps ahead. Yeah. She's always two steps ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything, it's which I like. She yeah. and uh, Octavia. Yeah, they were both scientists. <laughs> were scientists and had together. A hmm. Lab that they shared, and only like one bed because mm-hmm. that's all they could afford as mm-hmm. poor scientists. Yeah. I, I guess that like maybe is that's, that's part of yeah. broken Peter that he <laughs> like he still swing. is going after MJ. <laughs> Sorry, what? It's what? all right. <laughs> um, I, I just, the, the old man broke hobo Peter Parker in sweatpants was, was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, extremely funny. Also, and I guess that's a part of his depth that he isn't emotionally stable enough to deal with seeing MJ <laughs> again, whereas someone like Aunt May and even young Gwen, Gwen Stacy can... Mm-hmm. Be more emotionally mature than he is. Well, yeah, it's, this is so great. Well, they, it's about they, closure and stuff yeah, too, yeah. right? He doesn't have any closure with her because he just kind of walked away from the situation mm. when it got too difficult. But er, the, this world, this world, Spider-Man and all the people around them—they have they have it all figured out. They have mm-hmm. a system in place, which is why they're so far ahead of the game of every other Spider-Man in the universes. Yeah, this was sad Spider-Man. Um, they did a really smart setup too, where. When they when Miles first meets Spider-Man Prime, Chris Prime, they uh, <laughs> he does the thing real quick. He goes, "Oh, you're like me. I'll train you. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. He's got to do this thing real quick." He's dead. So now we get old man Spider-Man. He's like, "Well, you got to train him." He's like, "Why well, would I train you?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just it made it so much more interesting. Uh, and it yeah, it's it's the same story that's that has been told a million times, but it was done in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. That like James said, it didn't make the origin story feel tired mm-hmm. it, it was a really smart way of doing it and I'm really fucking bummed the movie 
didn't do better in the first weekend, but I really hope word of mouth gets around. Uh, the, at least I went to a, a showing on a Monday night, mm-hmm. like 7.15. Theater was packed. So yeah. I'm hoping this is one of those movies that has legs, even though you know, I guess maybe we don't need any more superhero movies. But this one was so damn good. It might, it might be the best superhero movie. Yeah. I, w- I was trying to decide if I liked it more than Infinity War. And it's close. I don't know. <sighs> I, th- I think I think I like it more than Infinity War only because it stands on its own. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. It's not as dark. Infinity War War requires 20 movies before it I, to make it as good as it is. I definitely like it more than Infinity War. I don't know if I like it more than Thor Ragnarok, though, because hmm. I think that movie is better than Infinity War. It also War. has a fun, playful tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and ugh, it's just so fresh. And has Jeff Goldblum. Some movies relish the genre and the characters that fill them. Other movies are Venom. <laughs> <laughs> same studio, man. The sa- someone at the top stamped the same it's, two papers well, and said yes and yes. It's because they just said a Spider-Man movie, okay. A Venom movie, okay. And then, But then the people who are doing the Venom movie were just like, we have deadlines <laughs> and we have to come in under budget. Who cares? Seth Rogen yeah, of uh, Horse. Hold Your Horses. Hold Your Horses fame. He made a tweet today that was like, we should hold the... Academy Awards five years after the movie comes out because I feel like that's how much time you need to actually really know yeah. if a movie's good. To see if it yeah. resonates. And uh, I think that does apply to, to this, though. Man, if this doesn't win any... If, I hope it recoups its budget, but I think it will have a longer life when it comes to, like, like you know, video on demand and stuff. Cause I'm, I'm still riding the high, but I felt like when I left the theater and my... My conversation with Jess, we're driving back. I'm like, I feel like we peaked. I think this Maybe. is, I think this is where the superhero genre, mm. in in the in its its perfect mix of popcorn and sentimental feelings, where it's not artsy, but at the same time, it's not doesn't feel overly commercial. Uh, even though, yeah, there's FedEx and Sony logos everywhere <laughs> in every scene, but that didn't take away from the film. Um, to me, it was this perfect mix of art and commercial, of what I what I love in films and I'm gonna, movies. I'm going to put this out here too. Spoiler. Yeah. Favorite Stanley cameo. Oh, that was I, got, I got a little misty Favorite Stanley cameo, not just because he's dead, but because it had a purpose. It, there, was, there was a reason that he should be the one mm-hmm. to share that knowledge and appear in that sequence and say those things. And it was important to the plot. And it wasn't just him going, wow, <laughs> like, you know, well, and, and he was also doing what Stanley did, which he's like a salesman. He's like a huckster. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, it was very much Stanley. Yep. Yeah. Um, this just the style of this movie just blew me away. Mm-hmm. The, you know, it use, uses kind of the offset printing and the binday dots mm-hmm. and just there's so much going on. Um, you know, speed lines and thought bubbles. I this is the most comic booky looking film. Yeah. I guess since Scott Pilgrim, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it is miles above. I, I love Scott Pilgrim, but this is miles above that. There's so miles. much texture. Yeah. I know. It's it, it so dense. The um they you know, to blur backgrounds or foregrounds, they would offset things, which I, I hear a lot of people and I even thought this thought they weren't wearing their three D glasses or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But just really neat effects. Visually I don't know. I, I see a lot of movies trying to do this, or TV shows maybe trying to replicate this look. Mm. Yeah, it felt like I was watching a comic book. Mm. Um, it was it was the perfect mix. That's what I was saying when when I was younger, and I saw you know Toy Story, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for other people to make 
uh, Pixar level quality movies. This is what I've been waiting for. Oh yeah, when when Disney uh, acquired Marvel, I was like, hey, Pixar Spider Man could be the greatest movie ever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Pixar could make a better movie than Sony did here. Maybe that's rough. They would just have Ron Howard come in halfway through and fix it anyway. <laughs> so who knows? He uh, wouldn't have the edge. I I'm happy. You think Ron Howard break. is that? Don't get <laughs> old and this so, It's so edgy. It's fresh. And was he's, it not, edgy? Doing, he's I just, not. I just felt it was self-aware. Ron which I guess Howard, you can do I mean, with animation. Yeah. It's genre edgy. Ron Howard it listens to the hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he bought an OMC album once <laughs> yeah, in a blue he, moon. He loves that whistle song. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, it's I, on one hand, I want this to be a series and something to keep going. But then at the same time, if, if you can't live up to this one, maybe yeah. just stop. Don't fuck it It up. exists. That's all you have to be I'm really happy for. it exists. I'm glad it does. And and we have Secret Life of Pets 2 <laughs> coming out soon, so that'll be nice. It's always nice to have an Illumination yeah. trailer in front of this masterpiece. <laughs> if uh, yeah, I guess if any of the, the animators, Sony or otherwise, any who has outsourced, uh, you guys fucking killed it. Yeah. Um, that is – it really looks like people put their – their heart and their soul into this thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt like you do you do the shit work, which is like emoji movie, so that you can do this or and make make art. <laughs> it's just a bunch where, of where does Aquaman fall? I talked, to, I talked to someone that worked on Aquaman, and she was incredibly proud of it, and I was incredibly proud to hear that she was incredibly oh. proud, and we were prideful of one another. Uh-oh. And this movie that's going Sinner. we're going to see soon. I mean, Dan, Dan and yeah, I are seeing it tonight. Checking on Aqua Watcher, you still excited, Elise? Absolutely, absolutely. Into the Spider Verse has only steeled my resolve that Aquaman <laughs> will be a movie of a generation. I actually say go see this twice before. I haven't even seen Aquaman yet, but no, go, go see, see this Aquaman again. Aquaman first, and then see. <laughs> you hush. If you've got some pennies left over, throw them at this do you, atrocity. Do you think this is super spoiler territory? Do you think the ending of this movie, the post credit scene, is what they're teasing at next? Mm-hmm. Doing a twenty forty or twenty ninety nine? Yes. Uh, well, no, I I think they're teasing at having the control over being able to go use any Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. They're like, like anything's possible. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. I I liked what they did. I know it was, it was meme humor, but the the part at the end of the two Spider-Mans so pointing at each other <laughs> was so damn good. Yeah, getting what? Oscar Isaac for whatever reason to be <laughs> for to be Miguel. Mm-hmm. So good, so damn good. Usually, memes and uh, movies are awful too. I was gonna say this is that's a testament to this movie that it, there is a meme in it, mm-hmm. and it is a highlight. Yeah. It is a highlight. Well, Stated into those credits. Also, spoiler, I would say that like him walking down the street at the beginning doing the finger guns is, yeah. is practically meme territory. Yeah. But when I it was weird because like when I saw that, I knew the movie was gonna be okay. Like it, that, it that was like a cradling itself. comfort thing where I went, Oh, okay, they like get it. And then, yeah, it was great. There's a brief shot right in the post credits where he's sitting at the desk. Mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy. Okay. There's the other the, no, I was trying know. to think of anything that has more memes than the Spider Man cartoon from the sixties. Mm-hmm. Like anytime, I, it's always like you know, sexy Spider-Man laying on the train tracks or anything like that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a quick death shot, and then they did the part at the end, which I thought was great. But is yeah, it was it was a good way of being relevant without being uh, annoying. I felt it wasn't, it wasn't patronizing. Yeah, it felt self-aware. It didn't. It knows it's a Spider-Man movie, but also knows it doesn't have to take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. It, I guess, yeah. It felt like Clone High. It felt like. Uh, it had that Chris Lord and what's Nailed his name? It. Sorry, Chris, Chris Miller, Miller and, and uh, Phil Lord. Phil Lord, yeah. 
Chris they're, Lord. They're Lord and Miller. Lord and Bollard Bull. So I, I have one question. Yeah. D- did the spider just kind of come out of nowhere or did it come from another dimension? Universe 42. Yeah. It had the number 42 on it. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. also, which I think is movie details. Yeah. <laughs> the first time Miles tries to swing, he crashes into a, a, an address, and all the numbers fall off, and it's a four and a two. Those are the numbers that fall around him on the ground. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I don't know if that's a hitchhiker's thing or that was like Dimension Forty Two is where it came from. 40, yeah, oh. everything associated with the um, whatever the company was the. Brand. Oh yeah, Am- forget their name. Am- Acer Max or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, I like, think they make everything's in forty two on it. So I think the idea was that there was a leak. In, then it came through because everyone mm. came through at different times. Yeah, which yeah. I thought. Was, so it did come from a different. Yeah, universe. I mean yeah, that yeah. was my okay. assumption that there, it was probably from the world that will be more explored yeah. in the sequel. Gotcha. Where a, you have control over that stuff. Well, that, remember Gwen Stacy got there early. She had been there already for a little bit, and then. In the very beginning, when Miles is going to school, like, do you feel that earthquake last night? So, like, they've been doing this, mm-hmm. ah. the tests sort of stuff. And then uh, that tunnel that uh, pro- or his uncle takes him to. I guess yeah. we're doing spoilers. It doesn't really matter. It's um, the end of the podcast. Yeah, that was my assumption was that that was a spider that came from the 2099 universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, not that I, I don't need that explained to me, I guess. I don't either. I was just curious yeah. if I didn't pick up on something. But so uh, well, this is, you know, super spoilers. We're past that. I hope you yeah. turn this off by now if you're worried about spoiling this. Um, but the Prowler reveal, I fucking love. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's something that makes Miles a different Spider-Man than Peter Parker mm-hmm. and really intense to have this guy who he, he idolizes his uncle, right? And he mm-hmm. turns out to be the guy that's hunting him down that mm-hmm. he's been running from. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. It was obvious mm. I thought it wasn't like a big gotcha moment mm-hmm. but it, it still had an impact that being said it wasn't until he took off his mask that someone in the theater went <gasps> it's his uncle <laughs> <laughs> I so I actually knew nothing about Prowler and then I think I saw this trailer and stupid me for reading the comments like oh cool I wonder if Prowler's gonna be his uncle like he is in the comics Ooh. I went Oh, fuck you. You ruined it for yourself. Thanks. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if that's obvious for someone that doesn't know. Like, when you know that's going to happen, it's hard to know whether or not it's... His design, like I said, I don't know anything about Prowler as a character, but his design and the sound work that they put behind him and everything, like the way he moved, everything was awesome. I really enjoyed the way they they used him as a character. You do know that if you match an enemy fortified tile as Prowler, he will steal the tile. Yeah, I think I think uh, now that it's Puzzle Quest talk, that's the end of the show. Everybody, they added five star Kingpin. He's from Spider. (laughs) Go see this movie. Honestly, this and Roma, the best movies I've seen this year. It it receives the padding, uh, the highest honor I can give, (laughs) the Paddington (laughs) Two Award for Excellence. And and that is judged by you going home and seeing how quickly you can buy it to watch it six months Mm -hmm. from now. Yes, I'll watch it again. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go. All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.